Welcome to Category 5 Technology TV. This is episode number 526. So nice to have you here. And we are about to embark on the installation of the operating system for Sasha's gaming rig. We've been building this thing over the past nine weeks. Really exciting tonight as we fire it up for Rizio for the first time. Connected so that you can see the screen. And Sasha, you are going to take over. That is right. We're going to be putting that uh, operating system in there. We've got a gaming operating system that's built specifically for it. Also tonight, I'm going to be telling you how you can download the full Season 10, uh, the, the entire season, in HD video. You want to stick around? You're going to be able of to Cat 5? Of Cat 5. You can Go get away. it for free. It's absolutely free. You can download it, and the full season is yours. Wow. Just like that. Love Very it. cool. Here's what's coming up in the Category5.tv newsroom. An airplane flying nearly half a kilometer in the air was hit by a drone in Canada. It's easy to hack Subaru door locks using a Raspberry Pi. Windows 10 is under fire by the Dutch Data Protection Authority. Android ransomware double locker encrypts data and changes pins. And in security news, WPA2 has been cracked and you need to hear about this if you use Wi-Fi. Stick around. The full details are coming up later in the show. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Our live recordings are trusted only to solid-state drives by Kingston Technology. Revive your computer with improved performance and reliability over traditional hard drives with Kingston SSDs. Category 5 TV streams live with Telestream Wirecast and Nimble Streamer. Tune in every week on Roku, Kodi, and other HLS video players. For local showtimes, visit our website, Category5.tv. Category5.tv is a member of the Tech Podcast Network. If it's tech, it's here. Cat5.tv slash TPN. And the International Association of Internet Broadcasters. Cat5.tv slash IAIB. Welcome to the show. My name is Robbie. I'm Sasha. And I'm Jeff. Nice to have you here. I want to say welcome to all of our new viewers. If you're watching on Roku or Kodi, or if you're watching on Plex, or through our website, Category5.tv, or YouTube, or even on Channel 33 in the high desert, it's nice to have you here. Uh, last week, we got into it a little bit about Star Trek versus the Orville. Yes! Yep. And YouTube has blown up. Really? Yeah, really uh, enjoying the comments there. I'm surprised at how many people are very pro Orville. Um, There's who, a ton. Like me, were uh, very much Star Trek babies. It inspired me to watch it. I've only watched one episode so far. I watched right. the first episode of the Orville. I loved it. You loved it. The Orville, first episode. Loved it. Star Trek Discovery, first episode. Well, didn't necessarily keep you coming back. That's true. Not to get back into it again tonight, but that's kind of the conversation that's happening on our YouTube channel. Head on over to cat5.tv slash YouTube, or if you want to get there direct, go to YouTube.com and just do a search for Category 5 Technology TV. Speaking of this show, now we are in Season 11. This is our third episode of the mm -hmm. season, and that means Season 10 is a wrap. And finally, I mean, it takes time, and it's huge, but the Season 10 BitTorrent file is now oh, available. nice. Good. You can now download the entire yes. season. Oh. And this time we've included extras as well. So behind the Ooh. scenes footage. Oh, no. Uh, Bloopers? Even, yeah, everything is there. <laughs> so even uh, Shizu Yamaguchi was here and she talked about her stand-up comedy. We've even, in the extras, included uh, her stand-up act as well. Um, so you can get that if you go over to torrent.category5.tv. And I know what you're thinking. Is anyone thinking it here? I'm wondering if you put in that video of me dancing. 
of uh, you'll just have to download it. In this uh, the thought that I, the, what I was actually thinking, you might be thinking, is isn't BitTorrent illegal? Not no. Exactly. No. I know that. You know. That's why you weren't yeah. thinking it. No. You already knew. I knew it was. Ah. It's it's ah. sometimes what you do with the files that you put up there that's illegal. Ah. All right, so Category okay. 5 Technology TV is a show on the Category 5.TV network, and the Category 5.TV network is full of volunteers who just love to bring you free, family-friendly content. And part of that venture is to make sure that you can get it as many ways as you can. One of those ways is through BitTorrent, and because we own the copyrights to the files, we have every right to give it to you absolutely free. So head on over to torrent.category5.tv if you're into BitTorrent and you want to watch it. Otherwise, you can uh, get onto our website, category5.tv. There are other ways to watch, including streaming on demand off of our website. There's a great search engine there, powered by Algolia. Uh, we, also have, um, we also have RSS feeds. Mm-hmm podcasters we're on podcast addict we're on itunes we're basically anywhere you can aggregate shows we are there uh if you want to add us to your podcast aggregator and can't find it uh just head on over to our website category5.tv and you'll see the subscribe button to get the rss feed and most podcast aggregators can handle rss feeds that's how they get their content so pretty cool stuff the whole moral of the story is just cat5 is everywhere we are everywhere taking over the world infiltrating your tv sets (laughs) you have a smart tv we're there you have a dumb tv add a roku (laughs) we're there that's our commercial there's our new commercial and we've got to take a really quick dumb tv (laughs) stick around we'll be right back whether you shop on ThinkGeek, GearBest, B&H Photo Video, eBay, or Amazon, or even if you want a free trial of Audible, you'll find the best deals and support the shows we produce by simply visiting the shopping sites you already frequent by using the links on our website. Visit category5.tv partners for the full and ever-growing list and help us create more free content like this show. Thank you for shopping with our partners and thank you for watching. Welcome back. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome to the show. Nice to have you here. Please get onto our website, category5.tv. Go through the uh, community forum there. Say hello. Send us your emails. Uh, Really appreciate receiving emails. And uh, as we get into part nine of Sasha Rickman's sweet gaming rig build tonight... R.D. Blair sent an email. What did R.D. Blair say? R.D. Blair, first of all, so nice to know that you're still watching the show. You've been around for a long time, and uh, it is great to have you joining us. And thankfully, saved the universe by telling me, hey, didn't you forget to install the 12-volt 8-pin power cable? which is the power cable for the CPU. And we did. We kind of were running out of time last week. Mm-hmm. And along with that, it's like, okay, put it together and get it going. Uh, and we fired it up without the CPU. So had we had um, HDMI output going, it would have just not fired up. Now, we had power, right. but there was no power to the CPU, or at least it didn't have its 12 volts that it, that it 
covet right. because it's such a powerful little system. So I put that on there. Thank you, R.D. Blair, for pointing it out. Uh, it would have been uh, noticed pretty quickly, but it could have been noticed on the air, which right. would have set us back a little bit. Uh, this is a real serious like team build. This is, is a community is. big thing. And if you want to be a part of the community build, even if you're seeing this two years from now, it's okay. Go to cat5.tv slash cpu2017. That's the year that we're broadcasting it. And it's a really, it has been, it's been a community built mm-hmm. from the selection of hardware to why we selected it, the pricing, budgeting, all that stuff has been uh, thanks to the community. And now as we get into this tonight, we're going to be uh, setting up an operating system that's recommended by the community. So mm-hmm. how cool is that? I so love it. let's get right into it. Okay. First of all, um, I did a couple of things like this um, power cable that R.D. Blair mentioned right. um, off the air just before the show. Um, so I plugged that in. The other thing that I did is I plugged in this beautiful Kingston uh, HyperX Savage hard drive. This is a <laughs> hard drive. No, this is an SSD, I should say, to, to be absolutely correct. Yep. Um, so this SSD, Sasha, is going to be your data drive. Okay. So we've got the M.2 that you already installed. That is your uh, OS drive. Right. And then we're going to set up the S, uh, SSD because it's a terabyte drive. It's screaming fast. It's beautiful. And it is going to hold all your data. So it's got a lot, a lot more space. Okay? Cool. That's like game data, your documents, your pictures. And somebody said, uh, Agamotto was looking at it and saying, why are you going so overkill with things like the RAM and things like um, the hard drive, the storage space? I can understand the M.2, but why are you getting the terabyte SSD as well? Because it's pretty expensive. Mm-hmm. Well, the fact is, we understand, I understand, and the community understands that Sasha's building this for Dave as a gift, her husband Dave, um, and it's a sweet gaming rig. I'll give it that. If mm-hmm. it was just a sweet gaming rig, the M.2 at 256 gigabytes is going to be perfectly fine. Now, right. I understand, though, that as you're newly wed, yes. that this is not only your gaming computer, this is also your family computer. Exactly. This so is the everything. This is everything. So all of your family photos and videos especially are going to take up some space. Those kinds of things are going to go on there. So we want to make sure that they're not only ready for gaming and doing what they need to do today, but that we're ready, uh, future ready. We're ready to um, be able to use this thing for the next three, five, Five years plus. Uh, that's the hope. So uh, we're going to get into it tonight. Uh, first of all, now that that's installed, I've got to go through kind of the BIOS setup. So as I first okay. fire this thing up, are we ready? Yes. Ready. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. It's ready to go. Fire it up. And what do we find? Oh, Republic of Gamers. Beautiful. I love these boards. Uh, so it's going to go right into the BIOS first and foremost. And the first thing I notice is that it's taking me to the uh, Extreme Tweaker, which gives me this XMP feature. And XMP, of course, is Extreme Memory Profile from ASUS. And basically what that does is th- these settings are going to allow me to set up overclocking for you and Dave in such a way that it's all automatic. Mm-hmm. And that's just warning me that we need lots of cooling and uh, we have that. So as you can see, it's now going to do all the cores. It's detected our 2666 RAM from Kingston. Uh, That's the Fury RAM, and everything is kind of auto. That means it's going to automatically adjust the frequencies of the RAM, the the CPU, as it needs to in order to uh, make it as fast as possible. So you see it it clocks at 4.2 gigahertz there, 4200 megahertz. But if I go back to Extreme Tweaker, uh, I can see that with the overclocking, it's going to go up to 45 100 megahertz or 4.5 gigahertz. 
Okay, so I'm going to save that setting. So now we are officially overclocked in the simplest way possible. And it's just showing me what it's going to change. Can't get any simpler than that. And now it just booted right back into the BIOS. So we need to look at our boot devices and see that our boot order is okay, um, first of all. So just scroll down here. I love the interface. This, uh, this BIOS utility from, uh, from Republic of Gamers looks great. Um, so I need to disable. See, it's detecting the hard drives. The M.2 there, I'm going to disable. And then I've got to disable. Now let's move that up. I'm going to disable the uh, SATA uh, drive as well. So now I have no drive selected for boot because we don't want it to actually boot from that. But I noticed that it's not detected my USB drive yet. So I'm just going to save that and unplug that, plug it back in, let the BIOS know that, hey, there's a USB drive. So let's see what happens here. See if it'll boot right up. No, went right back in. <laughs> <laughs> so here we go. Now I know that it, it supports compatibility mode. You can see CSM is there. Uh, oh, and now you can see the data traveler is a boot option. So you can see how that could get frustrating if you don't know to look for this thing. Uh, I need to select that USB drive as my boot disk and then save and reboot. Here we go. Moment of truth. Dun, We're dun, overclocked. Dun. We've disabled the hard drives as boot devices. They're still detected. Uh, and we've set it up to boot from the USB. And there it is, the familiar Ubuntu kind of loading thing at the bottom there. That's what that is, Sasha. Perfect, thanks. So the distro that I've got here is called Ubuntu Game Pack. I was looking for a gaming uh, Linux distribution, and this is based on 16.04. This is the LTS, or long-term support version of Ubuntu, which means it's supported until 2021, I think, or 2022. Uh, needless to say, it's going to be supported for a good long time, and that means that you're not going to have to reinstall your operating system every six months. Thank you. Which is good. That's LTS. Yes. So then when that LTS cycle is done, we can just simply roll it up to the next LTS. Beautiful. Perfect. That's Ubuntu. So this is Ubuntu Linux. It's available at Ubuntu.com, but the particular flavor that we've chosen is built specifically for... Gamers! Gamers. So it's optimized for gaming. It comes pre-installed with Play on Linux, Lutris, Steam. Steam is something that we really wanted to have. Love <laughs> Steam. Is um, Twitch on there? Twitch TV is available through your browser. So, okay. um, so I suppose you could just bring it up in Chrome or Chromium. Okay. There you go. Uh, what else? It's, just, it's got a ton of stuff. So this one is a spinoff of Ubuntu, and it's available at UALinux.com. So Sasha... Okay. That's all that I'm really allowed to do. I kind of want you to take over, and we want to see how quickly we can do this. And I oh. see that it's, it's finished booting. We're at this screen to either try or install Ubuntu. So if I move the mouse over to you... Right. And we've, and we've got a sweet gaming mouse and wireless gaming keyboard for them as well, folks. Sweet. <laughs> so are you ready for it? Because yes. this is all you. Um, there you go. I don't know that you're going to need the keyboard, but, but I'm there just gonna, it is in yeah, case. Put it right in front of you. So Sasha is in control now, and she's kind of like doing the, like, what am the pretzel. <laughs> so I'm going to put it right up here. So when I bring it up on the screen, Sasha can see it. Okay. So I've got a TV in front of you there, Sasha. So click on Install Ubuntu. Click it. Yeah. I, I did, All right, I, wait for it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so. Do we want to install third-party software for graphics and Wi-Fi hardware, Flash, MP3, and other media? Absolutely. So check that off. 
So that's going to install like your graphics drivers and things like that. Oh, okay. Hopefully, I mean, it'll all work. So continue. Now, you notice download updates while installing is, uh, is not an available option. That means that our internet is not connected to this particular computer right now. Uh, so we can run those updates down the road or uh, a little bit later. It doesn't matter. Okay. Come on. Now, this is running from a USB flash drive. USB flash drives traditionally um, are quite, you know, they're, they're not as slow as CD optical media, but they're a lot slower than once this is installed on the computer. So once this is on the M.2, mm -hmm. it's going to be screaming fast. Okay. Right. So next question. Let's see if we can speed this up a little bit. There we go. Okay, so what do you want to do? So, yeah, we want to erase the disk. Do we want to encrypt it? I would say no to that because no. this is your desktop computer. Use LVM. Absolutely, because LVM is going to allow us, we've learned this on the show before, if you're not familiar with LVM or you want to learn a little bit more about it, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. And it allows you to run snapshots of your entire hard drive so that you can do backups on the fly without having to shut down. Yep. Beautiful. That is perfect. That's one of the advantages. So head on over to our website category5.tv do a quick search for lvm and you're going to get all the instructions on how to do that so we're just going to turn that on because if we ever want it it's a pain in the butt to switch to it so we might should i do the something now. else ah no let's not no. do something else let's keep it uh you know keep it simple and what does it want to do okay now up at the top there we see that it's got a 240 gig uh kingston m.2 can you click on that drop down for me sasha this one yeah. here? Oh, okay. just so we can see if it's there and it's also detected the the terabyte uh, ssd so we want to install this on the m.2 so that's the first drive the one that it automatically selected and that is being detected as sda so install now okay so that drive as you can see is about a quarter of the capacity of the uh the ssd so we're going to use those two together to get the most blazing speed that we can possibly get, the most reliability. It's going to go really, really well. Excited? Yes. Can you believe that, that we're pretty much now just, okay, it's asking, do you, are you sure you want to continue? Because what is this going to do? If you write to the disks, you're going to wipe out any data that's on there. How much right. data is on there right now? Well, Nothing. Nothing. Yeah. So it's a brand so, yeah. new system that you just built. So you're absolutely good to go. But do keep in mind, if you're doing this on a pre-existing installation, you need to think twice at that point. And, uh, and what, make is sure that our time zone? This is our time zone. So uh, that's highlight right, New it? York. No, highlight New okay. York and just type in Toronto because that's where we are. We're just north of Toronto, about 50 minutes ah. in Barrie. Yeah, you can do it that way. Sure. Oh, what? Is Backspace. there another way? Well, triple click and there you go. Toronto, right up at the top. Ontario, Canada. Nope. Oh, did I like have you have to, to actually <laughs> click it. Yeah, you need to click it with the mouse, girl. Oh, well, <laughs> well, goodness gracious. Yeah, this is how we learn. Just press backspace once. There you there. go. Now, there you click go. on Toronto. Okay. There you go. Ah, ah, ah. Sasha is amazing with a mouse. <laughs> just so you know. So that, this whole process to install Ubuntu is about three minutes. Uh, it's going to take about four hours tonight, so brace yourself. Brace yourself. Where are we at? Okay. Click continue, please. Okay. <laughs> you. I know. Okay. English U.S. keyboard. That's fine. That's what we're using. Okay. Now. So just continue? Yep, continue. Yeah. continue. That's okay. like a 104 Super. key keyboard. So your name. Well, I don't know if you want to put the Rickmans. I'll put Dave. Oh, yeah. Right, that's true. Dave. I could put yeah. the Rickmans. The Rickmans. And then your computer name, call it Rickman, would be fine. And then pick a username. So Rickman, all lowercase. All lowercase? Yep. Okay. 
And then under choose password, I want you to enter... Uh, password, password one, you, two, three. That sounds amazingly secure. That's very secure because it's a combination of a word and some numbers. <laughs> no. Don't listen to her. Listen to me. Don't do it. Okay, Sasha, but you need to pick a password. We can, you can use password one, two, three for today because we can change it down the road when we're not on the air. And people okay, let's just do that. Is. Okay? It's going to tell you that it is a... Fair. A fair password. <laughs> nice. Is that password one, two, three? Yeah. All right, everybody, you can hack into their computer. No problem. <laughs> um, now, this is your home computer, so you need to think about this. Do you <clears> want <throat> to require your password in order to turn it on? No. Or do you want to just make it go right to the desktop? We can just make it go right to the if desktop. If this was your laptop, I would say absolutely you need that password. I probably would have opted for encryption as well. Yeah. But uh, because this is your desktop computer, I mean, uh, unless someone steals it from you. But if that happens, it's not the worst thing <laughs> Let's be honest, I might steal this. It's a beautiful system. Oh, I know. This is our new broadcast server, folks. We're going to give them the old one and be like, here's your new gaming computer. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> it's a pretty sweet rig. I'm okay. just letting you know okay. I'm jealous, so, Sasha. That. I can... Log in automatically So is, is an option. You yes. can have it log in automatically. Sorry, this Work is... Work that mouse, girl. It's harder than it seems. <laughs> it's because you're going like... Crossover with yeah, that. Yes. That's why. Just fair, so you know, I'm like. The mouse pad, I set yeah. it up over here, and the keyboard, I set it up over here for yeah. her. So it is. It's kind of. I am not ambidextrous. dance moves here. So, okay, so now it is going through the installation processing. See, while you were taking your sweet so, time there, it actually continued to install. Is that a dinosaur or a squirrel? That's a squirrel. A, that is definitely a squirrel. Okay. I've never seen a dinosaur with a tail that thick and that long. I've, I've never, never seen, seen a dinosaur. dinosaur. You've seen pictures. <laughs> You've seen pictures of dinosaurs. If we were on green screen on different cameras. I would so high-five you right now. We'd have to do the virtual high-five. Yes. <laughs> As I bleed into the next frame. <laughs> All right, so that is installing. We're going to take a really quick break while that continues. When we come back, hopefully everything has gone smashingly well. We're going to be ready to boot up into our brand new operating system. Ubuntu, what is it called? Gaming pack? Game pack? Game pack. Game Ubuntu pack. Game Pack. It is based on Ubuntu Linux. Stick around. We're going to be right back after this. You've got mad skills. Now hone them. Learn new skills or improve your existing ones with online video tutorials and training from lynda.com through our special link at cat5.tv slash lynda. Learn software, technology, creative, and business skills you can use today to help you achieve your professional goals. Join today and start learning. We'll give you this chance to try it absolutely free with unlimited access to all of the courses. Sign up now for free, cat5.tv slash linda. This is Category 5 Technology TV. Welcome back. And tonight we are digging into the installation of Sasha's new operating system on her gaming rig. Now, Jeff, you mentioned there was a question that came in in the chat room as we were on break there. Yeah, so Albuquerque Turkey was watching and he wanted to know, did he see you turn off Secure Boot? You did not see me do that. Okay. What did he see? Okay, did you did he hear me when I mentioned that it has uh, a compatibility option? So yes. this BIOS, by default, is going to allow both UEFI and legacy mode options. So your devices are either or. Uh, now, in the BIOS, you can select just legacy mode, uh, which is probably what we can do. Uh, but by default, 
fortunately for us, the default option is there, uh, and it supports legacy or UEFI, not not one or the other. Um, so if you have this board and you're having trouble, what does it mean? What does Secure Boot mean? Uh, so technically, Secure Boot is still enabled on this board. Um, Secure Boot uh, UEFI is like a, a technology mostly used by Microsoft Windows that um, allows them to make sure that I mean, the, the pretense is that viruses can't get into your bootloader. Right. Realistically, it keeps other operating systems from running on your operating system, on your computer as well. Uh, in our case, uh, we want to install Linux, so we need to be running in legacy mode. Uh, it can be installed in UAFI mode, but you can, you know, it's a much more complicated. So it's still enabled, but we're running with legacy mode as the default option in the BIOS. But check those out. There is uh, There are options there uh, for the compatibility mode as well as security settings under the boot menu on this particular motherboard. And this motherboard, Sasha, maybe you can remind us what it is that, uh, that you bought. You've got your shopping list right I here. do. The motherboard <laughs> is the Asus, is it ROG Asus. Maximus? Asus? Oh, I say I know. it wrong. I have Asus. to say it right. And people say, no, you say it wrong. It's Asus or something I, I like that. It's Asus. And um, years ago when I was building computers as an OEM manufacturer, this is years ago, so this is my first build in many years. I've been working with HP, Lenovo, and all that for, for as long as I can remember. Um, so when I worked with Asus, I talked to them on the phone, right. and they called themselves ASUS. So wow. that's that was how I... Go right to the source. Right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay. So that's where that comes from. Uh, okay, so I think that answers your question, Albuquerque Turkey. Thank you for sending it in, and we're ready to get back into this, I believe. Well, hold on. Before you do that, yeah. she never finished her list, or at least where you could find the list. Oh. Well, the, well, the list is... Well, the list is on the actual cat5.tv slash CPU 2017, right? Yes. Yes. Yep. That's where you would First find post. it. And yeah. yes. how we picked all those hard pieces of hardware, how much it cost, all that kind of stuff. That's um, all there. So you can budget it and, and do something similar if you like. You can have the uh, same system. computer. Check the out the exact list. same system. <laughs> do so it. If it goes just well, use a different password, it, not one, two, three. Yeah, you got to change <laughs> one, the password. Two, no, it's password one, two, three, exclamation point. Oh, is that oh. it? Well, no, that's oh. not what mine is right now. <laughs> oh. That's what yours should be. That's her email <laughs> password, folks, right. as well as the PIN for her <laughs> online banking. <laughs> All right, so it is done. Sasha, all I need you to do is click on Restart Now. Where am I? Oh, click on the mouse once because it's gone to sleep. It's a wireless mouse. Right? I so don't know. To save power, your wireless mouse stops working, and then you just click it, single click, to, uh, to make it come back. There we go. We're rebooting. Now, I wonder if this is going to... Uh, and don't worry about that error message that has to do with, um, <laughs> uh, looks like, uh, a sound card driver. Okay. So that's not, uh, that's not a problem for us right now. We're in a live mode boot scenario. Um, so hopefully that just reboots. If not, we can do a hard boot. It is running off the live media. I don't know. Let's try it. Okay, I'm going to eject that. You ready, Sash? Okay. I'm going to hit reset. Blue screen! Ah! Blue screen of death, folks. We just installed Windows accidentally. <laughs> Okay, oh. so what's going to happen? Is it going to boot from the hard drive? No, I don't think it is. I think we're going to end up in our BIOS again because we've never set the bootloader. Yes, that's the right. The boot order, right? So now let's go into, and I'm, I'm taking control here for a moment, Sasha, uh, into boot. And you notice we have no hard drives enabled, but we installed that on the first drive here, um, the 240 gig M.2. Okay, so let's... Now save that. So that's, that's just selecting 
it's not turning on or turning off hard drives. It's just telling your BIOS which drive do you want to boot from. And uh, Albuquerque Turkey, for the sake of your question, these are the things that I was talking about. Compatibility support module. Um, so you can actually go in there and you'll see that legacy OPROM is selected. Um, and then there's UEFI and legacy or UEFI only. That's the setting that you're asking about as far as UEFI goes. But as far as secure boot, right below that, it has defaulted to other OS. And then there's also Windows UEFI mode. So even though I didn't have to do that myself, Bef it is selected. Yeah. Before you go anywhere crazy with that, did you see on the right-hand side it has the temperature? No. Well, it does. Cool. Look, it has a hardware monitor, Ooh, CPU, yeah. temperature. Sweet, 32 degrees C. Uh, we can actually go into that is neat. monitor. Let's yeah. see here. And watch what happens here. Boom. No way. So our motherboard is 33 degrees C, 36 on the VRM. What is that? Oh, when we show this to Dave, <laughs> can you show him that? Oh, yeah. I feel Look like he will care. Fan. That's why it's so quiet. It has spun, spun down to 548 rotations per minute. Wow. Our chassis fan is at 746. It is so quiet, folks. Yeah, you can't hear Beautiful. it. Beautiful. And that's all part of this Q fan control, which you can tweak if you want to. And that basically under high load when you're gaming and things are getting hot, it starts spinning up the fans to keep it cooler. Mm -hmm. But already, like, if you're gaming, everything's up loud anyway. You wouldn't hear if the computer oh, was yeah. loud. You got the headphones yeah. on. You're blasting it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so I think we've got everything kind of set where we want it by selecting the boot, uh, the hard drive as the boot drive. And uh, to be fair to Sasha, and I know I poke fun, there does seem to be a bit of interference on the mouse. Thank you, It Robbie. is a wireless mouse. So I hope that you're not going to have trouble with that at home, because um, how far is the mouse going to be from the computer tower itself? It's wireless, right? So it's like hit or miss if it's going to be... Ten feet? Ten feet, yeah. You're only about five feet right now, but I've got another wireless mouse there, plus my phone, plus... Right, the there's some things in the way. So it's, yeah, it's possible that... Uh, that uh, plus it's on an angle. Does that matter? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's probably <laughs> it. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, I'm so pleased. Super. I saw something flash, and it said Ubuntu. This, is, this looks like a black screen of Depth Rocket. <gasps> that oh. came right up. Now, video drivers are not running yet because you can see how massive everything is. It looks like low resolution, like a little tablet or phone screen, something mm -hmm. like that. Um, so let's see if it did actually load any uh, Ubuntu, uh, any NVIDIA drivers. Um, I don't see any hint that NVIDIA is there. So there are some things, and this is not a tutorial on how to get Linux up and running. We've covered that right. so many times before on the show. What this is, Sasha has now built a gaming rig. Mm -hmm. We know it's got a beautiful NVIDIA card in there. It is a super powerful uh, video card that we need to install the proprietary, proprietary drivers for in order to get the best performance. So I'll do that for you. Thank That's you. That's stuff that you don't have to worry about. But know that you've got to go through those steps. You've got it. And she's installed the operating system. She built the computer pretty much herself from scratch, uh, from the parts that Jeff and I unboxed. And there it is. It's up and running, so Sasha. Exciting. That's it. What do you think? 
I love it. So I'm going to, by installing the graphics drivers, we're going to have better resolution. We're going to have better performance. Um, it's prompting me that we need a Steam user, uh, all that kind of stuff, or whatever it is in the background that's happening there. Uh, let's look at games. What does it come with? So, uh, okay. ooh, it has solitaire. Ooh. So definitely a gaming rig. Uh, DOSBox emulator. <laughs> so that means you can install old DOS games. So that's things like Prince of Persia, the classic. Yes. Right? Commander Keen. Commander oh. Keen, yes. Uh, Space Quest. Those things are all going to run under DOSBox. Uh, Lutris is another kind of uh, gaming uh, platform so that you can you can uh, install games into the system and play them. Okay. Um, it, it's an easy way to find a lot of games that will run on the system. Mahjong, Mines. Play on Linux, that is cool. Play on Linux allows you to install Windows games oh. on Linux. Oh, that's good. So it's so, kind of like Wine a little bit? It uses Wine in its okay. back end, uh, but it has an interface to allow you to install the games quite simply. Cool. Uh, it's not going to work is... with every game, uh, to be fair, because Windows games are built for Windows. Right. But Play on Linux has uh, cut out all the complicated steps to making Windows games work on Linux and you don't have to have Microsoft Windows installed. See, that's good, because this is our first Linux computer. Are you, are you excited about that? Yes. So can we say a little bit about why Linux? Well, because I have a slight Linux bias. A slight Linux bias. <laughs> what is it? It's an alternative to Microsoft Windows, and it's free. You don't have to pay for licenses. You don't have to worry about their spyware software monitoring you and things like that. Um, and any of the kind of caveats that you have with Microsoft Windows, they don't exist in Linux. It's a mm -hmm. free operating system, and it is developed by people like ourselves who just care about making something great and distributing it and sharing it. And uh, that's what Linux is. It's, a, it's something that you can get in on. You've got a, there's that slight learning curve because the interface is maybe a little bit different, but there's a lot of effort that's been put into making that learning curve as easy as possible. Mm -hmm. yep. uh, I've noticed on this version of Linux, Sasha, that it, it looks like uh, Ubuntu Mate is what, it, uh, what it's running. Um, that is the interface. So this is Mate, not uh, I was expecting maybe GNOME or uh, possibly Unity, mm -hmm. uh, but definitely GNOME. So nice to see Matei. I like the interface a lot. Uh, Steam is the next one. Steam we all know and love. Steam mm -hmm. is something that you sign up for an account and then you can buy games. Use they, it all the time at home. They install... You tell, tell us about Steam then, because well, I'm not a gamer, so... How does it work? Well, so, I mean, when you've got Steam, it's it's all-encompassing as far as games library where you can make purchases, also the games that you download at uh, Chronology chronology of your library uh, also you, you know depending on whether you're really into competing with other people you can earn b badges and stuff like that there's mm. a whole news features to it with other games it's uh, it's just really it's a great compressed library for keeping everything in one spot that's at a library I love yeah that you can just find games it's there you can install them buy them and Steam is cross-platform. That's correct. If you are not interested in taking this route and installing Linux, that's okay. Steam is available on Microsoft Windows. In fact, if you install it on Microsoft Windows and later switch to Linux, it's cross-compatible. So that's your right. games transfer over. How that is cool. Is that? That's right. All right, so that uh, gives us a good overview, I think. Sasha, way to go. Congratulations. You've got an Yay! up and running... Ubuntu Game... What, I keep losing the name. It's Game, game Pack. Game Pack. Game, game Pack. pack. Game Pack. 16.4. I gotta I come up with a rhyme for Game Pack. No, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sasha. Next week, do I tell them now? Next yes, week, you do. We're gonna do. be playing the first game on it. That's all I'm gonna tell you at this moment. <gasps> Stick around until after the news. I'm gonna tell you a little bit more details. But if you wanna see this sweet game and rig play games, you do not wanna miss episode number 527. <laughs>
All right, we're going to head over to our beautiful new newsroom. Sasha, what do you have for us? Here are the stories we're covering this week in the Category 5.TV newsroom. An airplane flying nearly half a kilometer in the air was hit by a drone in Canada. It's easy to hack Subaru door locks using a Raspberry Pi. Windows 10 is under fire by the Dutch Data Protection Authority. Android ransomware double locker encrypts data and changes pins. And in security news, WPA2 has been cracked and you need to hear about this if you use Wi-Fi. These stories are coming right up. Don't go anywhere. Jeff Weston. Yaman. You're building a brand new beautiful website. What? Aren't you? No. Am I? Oh, you're a terrible actor. What? This is where acting comes into play. Oh, I didn't know we were acting. You're supposed to act. Okay, fair enough. All right. yeah, I'm building a really cool website. Are you building a really cool website? Just because Jeff is confused doesn't mean you have to be. Visit cat5.tv slash dreamhost to sign up for unlimited web hosting for your website with unlimited email accounts, MySQL databases, the latest version of PHP, WordPress, and more, and even a free domain name registration. It's less than $6 per month, so sign up today. cat5.tv slash dreamhost. This is the Category5.tv newsroom, covering the week's top tech stories with a slight Linux bias. I'm Sasha Rickman, and here are the top stories we're following this week. Canada's transport minister has told drone operators to stay away from airports after remotely piloted craft bonked a passenger plane during its final approach to Jean Lesage International Airport in Quebec City. Minister Marc Garneau hasn't revealed the model of the drone, but we do know that it hit a plane operated by Skyjet Aviation, a charter outfit that, despite its name, only operates um, turboprop aircraft. The three types it operates, the King Air 100 and 200, plus the Beechcraft 1900, seat 6, 10, and 19 passengers apiece. Whichever type was struck, it came away with what Garneau described as minor damage and landed safely. There's also no news on where the plane where of where on the plane the drone struck as the craft landed without incident we can assume it wasn't chopped up by the plane's propellers hmm. local media suggest that the plane was struck about 300 or 3000 meters from the runway while at an altitude of 450 meters hmm. all concerned are Therefore, reminding Canadian drone operators of their obligation to fly below 90 meters and at least five and a half kilometers away from airports or face a $25,000 fine. Authorities hope to identify the drone pilot to remind them of those rules in strong language. <laughs> a drone striking a propeller or being sucked into a jet engine has the potential to cause a very serious incident. Wow. Hmm. That can yeah. be very scary. Yeah, well, I mean... The fact that it left body damage, I mean, it wasn't significant, but, I mean, that's... So are there, yeah. like, are, are there drones that are smaller that are allowed to fly closer, or is it just all oh, no. drones across? No, no. Like, we're talking, this is 3,000 3, meters from the airport, which I did the quick math in my head. That's three kilometers, folks. Yeah. Uh, and the minimum is 5.5. So 
they're already, not only are they flying well above the height limit, but they're also flying very, very close to an airport. Yeah. So drones can fly that high up. Like, they absolutely can. If it's a bigger drone, yeah. I mean, yeah. this wasn't, clearly wasn't a teeny drone or something like that. Right. You know, we're talking... No, 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 this is We're a talking about, drone. yeah, big drone. Um, to give you just some perspective, um, there was a, a guy on YouTube who recently posted a video, mm-hmm. which was promptly taken down, um, of him flying his Phantom 2 to 3.5 kilometers into the air. Wow! Now, keep in mind that regulations say we're only allowed to fly up to 90 meters in the air. Just a little bit over that, I think he went. Right. A little bit. (laughs) So, 3,400 is where he was at. So, because these things have first-person view, you know, he might have a screen or goggles and be able to see what the drone is seeing, and so it is safe from that perspective. It's not like he's going to lose sight of it and not be able to find it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But highly illegal. Highly okay. illegal. So then the, the actual law, the rule, where you can't fly within like five and a half kilometers to mm-hmm. the airport, that $25,000 fine, is yes. that if there's an incident or is that if you're caught flying? If you're caught flying as a consumer flyer, like if I or Jeff mm-hmm. were, were flying our drones and we were caught breaking the rules. So these are rules that are designed to protect aircraft and other people. So it doesn't just have to do with aircraft or airports. If mm-hmm. you're flying too close to a crowd, it falls under the same regulations. Mm-hmm. So um, right. the fine for that, to be caught, so nobody gets hurt, nobody's, nothing's damaged, is up to $3,000 Canadian. Okay? Right. So that's about $4 for you American viewers. <laughs> Or point zero 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 Bitcoin point zero one. It's binary yeah, for nothing. Ch- chances are the twenty five thousand dollars would be for like a serious incident where maybe a, a plane actually did crash. People like well, they, 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 they go to the extent. They, they I, I would hope doesn't that say they have to crash. The regulation states that it's up to twenty five thousand dollars if you have endangered an aircraft or another person. Right. I would hope that if somebody flying a drone that crashed into a plane that then crashed and killed people, that oh, drone dear. flyer, I, I would hope, goes to jail. Like, I would hope that it's just not $25,000. Oh, absolutely. Like, I would really... Yeah, that's an extreme case. Yeah. And it's never happened as far as I'm aware. So, so. Yeah. keep it low, people. Keep All right. Uh, Dutch electronics engineer reckons Japanese automaker Subaru isn't acting on a key fob cloning vulnerability he discovered. Tom Wimenhove claims to have discovered that Subaru's electronic keys don't use a random number. The rolling, the rolling code instead merely increments codes. Wimblehove says he's built a cloning device which he has made available on GitHub and used it for a 2009 Subaru Forester. He believes it would also work on a 2006 Baja Forester Forrester models from 2005 to 2010, Impreza models from 2004 to 2011, the Legacy Sedans 2005 to 2010 models, and the Outback from 2005 to 2010. His test rig only costs around $25 using a Raspberry Pi for much of the functionality. Because the key fobs simply increment the rolling code exchanged between the car and the key, all an attacker needs is to be able to be close enough to capture the code used when the owner locks the car. Incrementing that code lets the attacker unlock the vehicle. Wow. Hmm. Wow. I drive a Subi. Why wouldn't (laughs) Subaru act on that? Well, it could be that... They don't think it's a massive vulnerability. I mean, we're, exactly. Like we're talking about some vehicles. What was it? Two thousand and nine. Yeah, as far back. 
at this point, I don't think they care. I mean, like if it was one of the 2005s, they're looking at it going, it's been like 13 years because it's always sure. like, you know, in 2004, the 2005s would come out. So, you know, it's it's been 13 years or some of them, most of those vehicles would be off the road. It's not like it was the newer vehicle. So my guess is from a liability standpoint, the cost factor of patching it, doing a warranty recall, switching out keys, because you'd have to replace the keys or reprogram them, plus you'd have to reprogram the vehicles, the cost probably just wasn't significant enough. Mm-hmm. Or it was too so, significant. So then can you just sell something like that on GitHub? What is Well, GitHub what is, is, is a coding base. So what, what it means when he's posted it on GitHub is that it's mm-hmm. freely available. So anyone who wants to build this thing can download this, the instructions to do it right. and the code to do it. Um, I don't love that. Yeah, and I don't, wanna, I don't like creepy. to speculate too much about Subaru not having a statement from them. But knowing that um, you know, as uh, you know, ethical hackers bring out these kinds of, hey, we've discovered this, there's a lot of that. Because people mm-hmm. are trying to get the cash prize for, right. hey, there are you mm-hmm. know, ethical hacker prizes. Um, and so there comes a point when you know, companies will certainly say, you know, we're not doing it. Microsoft comes to mind recently with the uh, compromise on uh, Internet Explorer. Yes. Where they simply said, you know, we're not worrying about the older operating systems. And there was another one in the kernel itself where they said, we're not going to patch any of them. Yeah. It's too oh. far into the kernel. We're not going to touch it. We're, we don't believe it's such a security risk as you're making it out to sound. Yeah. Now, others may may uh, say otherwise. But I think it's that they may perceive, this is a may because I don't Mm -hmm. know, I haven't spoken with them, but they may perceive (laughs) as a company that it takes a certain level of knowledge in order to do this type of compromise. Um, And so they don't feel as vulnerable because it's like (laughs) it wouldn't happen to me mentality. There's such a small minority of smart people in the world, there's no problem. Of people of that minority (laughs) who would create a key fob hacking device out of a Raspberry Pi. I'm just picturing the movie Gone in 60 Seconds, picturing Nicolas Cage walking around with a Raspberry Pi. Just like Picking up Shelby Mustang. (laughs) (laughs) Just got a whole bunch of Subaru Foresters from 2009. (laughs) Oh, Oh, dear. Okay. The Dutch Data Protection Authority has concluded that Microsoft... Microsoft's Windows 10 operating system breaches local privacy law on account of its collection of telemetry metadata. Personal data being harvested by default by Microsoft can include the URL of every website visited if the Windows 10 user is browsing the web with Microsoft's Edge browser and has not opted out of full telemetry, as well as data about usage of all installed apps including on their device, including frequency of use, how often the apps are active, and the amount of seconds of usage of a keyboard, mouse, pen, or touch screen. Microsoft says it gathers and processes Windows 10 users' data in order to fix errors, keep devices up to date, and secure and improve its own products and services. Of course. But if users have not opted out, it also uses data from both a basic and full telemetry level to show personalized advertisements in Windows and Edge, including all apps for sale in the Windows Store, and also for showing personalized advertisements in other apps. According to the local DPA, there are more than 4 million active devices using Windows 10 Home and Pro in the Netherlands. After investigating several versions of the OS, including Windows 10 Home and Pro, the Dutch DPA said Friday it has identified multiple breaches of the data protection law. Microsoft has compiled a point-by-point rebuttal on these points of disagreements. 
Wow. What is te- telema- telemetry? <laughs> tele- tele- telemetry? What is telemetry te- metadata? Telemetry de- it's two yeah. words. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And that's it. That's all. That's all he's going to give you. So, I'll, give, I'll give you more. Is it just tracking? Uh, yeah. Essentially. I mean, this is um, basically information that is gathered on your Windows 10 system or other systems as well. It's mm-hmm. now on Windows 7 and 8 and everything else. But um, So they are tracking your movements. This is uh, how they are able to provide targeted advertising to, um, you know, it's under the veil of improving the operating system right. because they might notice that, hey, you know, people running this particular processor are having problems opening this application, so let's m- manipulate something in the code. Um, so it's under the guise of, Fixing things, helping improve things, but it is really collecting personal information about your usage, spying on you. Right. So, is there ever, like, so when they say they're using it to help, Mm -hmm. is that actually at all? Okay. They don't don't, say that. Well, (laughs) that's just the guise of it's it's kind of like to improve the user. But that's that's never the truth. Like you could disable it. There's always other motives. And again, I don't want to speculate. We know why Facebook gives you free accounts. We know why, you know, uh, that's exactly how how is anything free? Well, this is leading to if there's basic telemetry and then there's full. Yeah. Which is a setting. Okay, would it be helpful to just do basic or should you do none at all? You can can opt out, um, but I think with some of the Windows updates, you've got to keep an eye on it because it'll reactivate itself because you're giving A-OK with... You know, right. certain, certain I accept this okay. license agreement, and oh, that license agreement also turned back on full telemetry. Yep. So the difference, essentially, you know, the basic telemetry is <laughs> the um, the essentials, the bare minimum that they need in order to kind of keep track of your system and how you're using it. Um, then full telemetry is everything. Like right. this is something that a technician could use to actually come in and, and diagnose problems on your computer. Okay. Yeah, everything about your computer uh, and how you use it. Right. I had a visual. We were saying that of that useless box. Like you turn it yeah. off, it turns itself back on. Exactly right. like that. Uh, that's <laughs> exactly. pretty much like that. Yeah. Uh, in fact, before we move on, the Windows Club actually uh, posted a very good tutorial for you uh, to help you so that you can disable or reduce the amount of telemetry metadata that is shared with Microsoft. Oh, good. Sweet. That can be found on their website, thewindowsclub.com slash windows-10-telemetry. And that's going to give you that information. Go check it out. Right. Crooks have come up with a strain of Android ransomware that both encrypts user data and locks victims out of compromised devices by changing pins. Lucas Stefanko, the malware researcher at security firm ESAT who discovered double, double lockers, said its payload can change the device's pin, preventing the victim from accessing their device and encrypts the victim's data. Such a combination has hasn't been seen yet in the Android ecosystem. He goes on to explain Double Locker misuses Android accessibility services, which is a popular trick among cyber criminals. The nasty is based on a banking trojan, which means that account compromising functionality might easily be added. The Android malware spreads in the very same way as its PC parent, as a fake Adobe Flash Player update that's pushed via compromised websites. 
Once launched, the app requests activation of the malware's accessibility service named Google Play Service. After the malware obtains these accessibility permissions, it uses them to activate device administrator rights and set itself as the default home application, in both cases without the user's consent. Double Locker, once planted on a compromised device, creates two reasons for the victim to pay. First, it changes the device's PIN, effectively blocking the victim from using it. Second, Double Locker encrypts all files from the, de from the device's primary storage directory using the AES encryption algorithm. The ransom has been set at a relatively modest 0.013 Bitcoin, which is approximately $54. The only viable option to clean a non-rooted device of the Double Locker ransomware is via a factory reset. A way around the pin lock on the rooted devices is possible, if not exactly straightforward. Encrypted files cannot be easily recovered. Hmm. Wow. Scary. Scary because now it's kind of, it really hits home. It's real, folks. It's, re it's, real. it's really real. So you've got to be careful of what you click on because this yep. is a typical social engineering tactic of, you know, you've installed an app that you think is legitimate and it has tricked you into giving access to certain things that probably you shouldn't have given it access to. Mm -hmm. Right. It's, uh, it is just social engineering tactics used by malicious coders. And uh, you need to really, really be careful of what you install, where you get it from. If you have a rooted device, uh, you need to be mindful that Cydia is probably going to be distributing things that are not approved by Google uh, mm -hmm. and the Google Play Store. So be very, very careful. And if you're not sure what that means, if you're not sure what rooted device means, well, it probably doesn't affect you. But you do need to be aware that malicious coders do place things in the Google Play Store to trick you into installing an app that sounds great. It's free and it's, you know, it's got this, this and this. But why exactly does this chat application need access to all of my files? And that's the big tip off. Now, it doesn't mean every one of those apps that asks for access to everything is a bad oh, sure. app. Yeah. But a you'll usually app. yeah, you'll usually see you know, a couple options for whatever you're looking for. And there's one that's like, oh, it only, only needs access to your camera. Then you've got others. It's mm -hmm. everything. Well, you, yeah, watch out for it. You yeah. kind of get, like, permission for fatigue or something. Like, I just sometimes don't read you got through it. it. You and have you to. have oh, to. Oh, that's Sasha. how they get you. That's right? How they get you. Oh, but then Sasha. also, if they've locked me out of my phone, how am I supposed to pay them? Well, it'll show it on the screen. Yeah. You've got a pay paywall on your phone that... Says, hey, oh, it just comes with it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh. And or given the fact that pay. it's only, was it, $54? People like, are going to do it. Well, that's it. It's not like it's, hey, give us $5 million. Yeah. Most people are going to go, eh, it's 54 bucks. It's just not worth going. Uh, yeah, and all my kids' photos are on here. Yeah. And, and if they were going to go to like a tech center to get their phone serviced, they're going to say, oh, it's 100 150 bucks. People are going to say, eh, it's cheaper than the service. I'll just pay it to get it unlocked. Mm, yeah. Well, right. we're right out of time. Um, can we really quickly talk about the WPA hack that just occurred? Yes. Now, this is something that happened on Monday. So, Sasha, do you want to yes, tell us about that? Absolutely. Researchers have disclosed a serious weakness in the WPA2 protocol that allows attackers within a range of vulnerable device within a range of vulnerable device or access points to intercept passwords, emails, and other data presumed to be encrypted, and in some cases to inject ransomware or other malicious content into a website a client is visiting. Hmm. The proof of concept exploit is called CRACK, short for Key Reinstallation Attacks. The research has been a closely guarded secret for weeks ahead of a coordinated disclosure that was scheduled for 8 a.m. Monday, East Coast time.
A website disclosing the vulnerability said it affects the core WPA2 protocol itself and is very effective against any device, including those running the Android, Linux, Mac OS, Windows, and OpenBSD operating systems. Mm. The vulnerabilities are scheduled to be formally presented in a talk scheduled for November 1st in Dallas. The vast majority of existing access points aren't likely to be patched quickly, and some may, may not be patched at all. Okay, so that is a scary fact. So wow. some people are thinking, what is all this techno babble? What right. is WPA2? What is mm -hmm. crack? What is this exploit? And what does it mean to me? If you have a phone in your pocket that when you go home, it connects to your home Wi-Fi or you have it set up to connect to your office Wi-Fi, you're, uh, you're vulnerable. Yes. Now, the scary thing is you are also vulnerable if you connect to the local coffee shop's Wi-Fi. But right. here's the fact. You have no way of knowing if the local coffee shop is clever enough to patch their device. Right. If they do, that's fantastic. How will you ever know? I don't feel safe anymore going to a, a, private, uh, to a public hotspot. Right. Plain and simple. Yeah. So what does it mean? Uh, when I connect to Wi-Fi, usually that is an encrypted connection. I am connected to their Wi-Fi hotspot, and anything that I do between, their, uh, between my device and their hotspot is encrypted, uh, including passwords and things like that. Now, uh, throw all that away. Now, anyone sitting in that same coffee shop can also see those things that you're doing ooh, ooh. on their device. Mm. So, it's very serious. It is, uh, I mean, we're not seeing this in the wild, so I should say it's not something that is actively being exploited because the ethical hackers who discovered this revealed it very ethically. Yes. And what that means is, is that they let... Yeah. Hardware manufacturers, they let Google, they let everyone know that is in the industry before they actually announced it publicly. That means the day that they announced it, 7 a.m. that day, Microtik already had a patch for all their routers. Mm -hmm. That's the kind of results that we've seen from this. So now we're starting to see Google is, is uh, starting to work on some patches for their systems. Um, we're seeing that a lot of hardware manufacturers are already uh, releasing firmware updates, but you have to install them. Microtik is a great example of a company that does it right because I can just log into the router, click on update, get the latest version, and it's done. Yep. Mm -hmm. But if you have a Linksys or something, uh, even DDWRT, things like that, you, you may need to reflash. You may need to download a driver on your computer, a firmware on your computer, put it on a USB stick, take it over to your router, do it that way, or maybe through the, the LAN. You have to do it. Otherwise, your Wi-Fi is susceptible. You also need to delete all the Wi-Fi hotspots that you've got in your phone and only start adding ones that you know have patched against crack. Smart. Thanks, Robbie. I'm going home. And going to update my firmware. Update your firmware. <laughs> That's so right. That goes for your phones, your computers as well. Uh, if you do an apt update and then an apt upgrade on Linux, you're going to get a WPA um, patch uh, already. So make sure you make that. So NEMS has already got the patch. It's auto automatically rolled out to all of the NEMS appliances. Perfect. Um, so get it done. Update your computers, folks. Yes. And writers. <laughs> Big thanks to Roy W. Nash and our community of viewers for submitting stories to us this week. Thanks for watching the Category5.tv newsroom. Don't forget to like and subscribe for all your tech news with a slight Linux bias. And for more free content, be sure to check out our website. From the Category5.tv newsroom, I'm Sasha Rickman. Thank you, Sasha. This is Category 5 Technology TV, and I promised a little bit ago that we were going to tell you a little bit about what's happening next week yes. with the gaming rig. Yes. Okay. okay, I'm going to tell you two things. First of all, this gaming rig is sweet. It's super fast. We can do really high frame rate. That's thing number one.
Mm-hmm. Thing number two, what is next week? The Halloween special. The Halloween special. What? Is it... Oh, that's right, because Halloween is the day before two It's the same day every year, Jeff. Okay, so next week. But in my mind, I'm thinking October 31st. How do we amalgamate a sweet, smoking hot virtual reality video game computer with our desire to celebrate the darkest day of the year? (laughs) Well, at least to dress up. We're going to dress up as Starfleet officers from Star Trek The Next Generation once again here on the show. And... We're going to use virtual reality to place ourselves not only in the Starship Enterprise NCC 1701D, but we are going to take you on a virtual reality tour Ooh, of the Federation Starship so much fun. Enterprise. Don't miss it. That's happening next week on episode number 527 of Category 5 Technology TV. But for this week, that's all the time that we have. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye.